Hey, this is Candia Raquel, founder of Centro de Poder, and you are at the Sensual Sessions podcast, the place to explore sensing pleasure through your senses and expressing yourself in a way that is completely free from inhibition and being just yourself moving completely sensual and free. So today we have a very special guest. This is Igor Steinberg. He lives in New York, but he's from Siberia. And I'm very happy to have you here, Igor. Such a pleasure. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So happy tell us, you are a programmer. And of the late, you have been devoted to working with the Feldenkrais method. Would you tell us a little bit about how did you make that apparently radical transition from something so structured as computers, systems, and then something that is nuanced, um, sensitive, like the Feldenkrais method? And well, what is this, the Feldenkrais method to start with? Mm. Okay, so to start with the definition, I think makes sense. So the Feldenkrais method is a way um, to support and accelerate natural tendency of each person towards better function. And by better function to more in everyday words, I mean, moving better, being more aware of how you are, being more at ease, naturally being more relaxed. And I use the word naturally a lot. Um, and I think it's pretty common word, but to what I mean by it is without having to think about it, it's not trying to be somebody else to feel better. It's actually what you learn by tapping in into the resources of your nervous system becomes part of you the moment you discover it. Without perhaps you fully realizing it, without you having to hold on to it. And that's, I think, the biggest, uh, most beautiful thing about Feldenkrais method that it helps you tap in into your own potential to learn or to heal if you depending on which word you like um, but really to do more with yourself organize yourself better for movement for thoughts for uh, to have more access to how you feel and really being able to do more of what you want be more clear where you are, be able to follow um, where your desire, your attention takes you, and having both conscious and unconscious access to that. So you would move or sit in a way that's more comfortable without having to think about it. But also, if you notice something is not so comfortable, you have a way to tune in and sense, feel, and adjust and um, make things better for yourself in a very simple, but also very tangible way. Make things better for yourself in a very simple, but tangible way. I like a lot what you say about tapping into your own potential without becoming someone else, but 
like becoming aware of your own nature. So it's not like a journey, a transformational journey that is on the external, but it's like more on, I feel from what you say, more like a, a recognition of, of what is already going on in you. And maybe um, it would seem a little bit elusive. So uh, again, making like this contrast of programming and the Feldenkrais method. So mm -hmm. uh, you talk about being tangible. So, so how, how come? <laughs> how come it's um, elusive and tangible? Um, well, uh, there is actually a term, uh, I think, developed by Marsha Feldenkrais or introduced, it's called elusive obvious. Something that's so obvious that it can be overlooked and never noticed. And this is how a lot of the Feldenkrais method is the idea that the way we move, the way we do things, the physical functioning, but also everything that's built on top of that. And that the belief is your whole personality develops in conjunction with you developing your uh, movement skills as the baby grows and develops, there's very little uh, of, like they cannot communicate too well, they don't have language, they uh, can do very little, and all that develops in parallel with them uh, growing and jump go, going through these developmental milestones that we all know so well, uh, rolling over, sitting, crawling, standing, but those are just dots on the chart that are very easy to notice because standing looks very different from crawling. We all know that. But those dots, if you connect them in between every milestone, there's a lot of experiential learning. And that is that learning is done in relationship to yourself, your environment, and uh, perhaps most importantly, gravity overcoming gravity takes uh, so long that uh, for the baby to find a way up to standing. And that learning is not pre-installed in every human. The milestone model is just very convenient if you want to think in pre-installed, pre-programmed way that we are designed, but it's not, it's not true. Really what is pre-installed or given what we are born with is the ability to sense, feel, and learn from our own experience. That is why by exploring seemingly random a movement that doesn't make any sense to adults who are looking at the baby, uh, somehow over time, a more meaningful, more functional movement emerges and baby gets more and more successful at being able to do uh, what they intend to do. And that ability for the brain to rewire itself based on the experience is present in every human, as long as that human is alive. So you and I have lost this ability to learn from our experience, but we have developed a lot of uh, uh, 
capacity to think, analyze, uh, um, deal with abstract ideas. So we could um, try to apply that ability to ourselves and that's wonderful when it's appropriate and it works. But when it comes to that physical sensory level, we cannot really access that level directly by our thinking. We cannot make ourselves move in a different way by just telling ourselves this is the right way to move. And if anybody tried, the most common thing you tell yourself or you tell a friend, sit straight, don't slouch. Great advice if it worked. And it doesn't really work for too long, if at all. You hold yourself, I mean, you could try, like sit up straight, hold yourself in this perfect looking posture. And then what I noticed right away, it's harder to breathe. My voice is not as clear. Uh, it, the, the volume reduced and feels contrived. And it's hard to pay attention to what's around me. So if I see like myself, I can do much better with the tasks at hand. But if I, I do want a better posture and somehow I want to be more upright, easier to move, quicker to get up and go when I need to, I need to tap in into that foundational level that is mostly unconscious and um, doesn't take that much. Actually, it's, I think, often the, the barrier or the hesitation to go there and explore is doesn't have to do with skill. That's how much skill does baby have, and they can access it. Um, it has to do with what we believe in about ourselves, about how we learn, what's the right way. Um, and that a bunch of those beliefs are taken in from the environment consciously and unconsciously. And a lot of them are very detrimental to our life. And because they ignore that foundation that we have and they defer us to the right way to exercise the right way, to um, see the right way to move, which we have to imitate, strive towards some external ideal, which is a very long and tedious process that is rarely even successful. And, and yet people have a very strong belief. I, I, I lost count. Um, I stop using the word posture when I start a session with a new client. I don't intentionally avoid that word because every time I would mention it, the person would immediately have this kind of like, oh, yeah, I know my posture is bad and I can't, can't go to the gym five days a week, so it's going to be bad and I can't do, make myself do yoga. So yeah, I know my posture is bad and, and the person has this kind of, idea that they just should give up having better posture unless they're willing to work hard and do what to me feels like a tedious repetition trying to build up muscles and correct that posture and if that was true and that was was required I I'm with that person 100% it's not worth it your posture is good enough unless you're really suffering so it's not worth it for you to spend five hours a week trying to make it better and it's the right call to make you don't address it you just live your life and try not to think about it and try not to think about it it's so interesting for me what you say 
that personality develops along movement when we were babies and perhaps it's shaped ongoingly as we continue moving on our daily life as an adult but like this um apparently intangible intangible aspect of ourselves it's actually rooted in in the way that we sense ourselves as a body in movement and going through through this like physical sensitivity um was the key to to arrive experientially to different milestones as a baby and like you like you say we as a as babies we we were skillless and achieved tremendous biomechanical feats against gravity like from laying down to rolling to our belly to sitting to crawling to standing up like those are major feats and we we did all of that without even knowing how to talk without even having this um aspect of our self and and discursive mind and the personality so there's this fundamental uh layer that is like the elusive obvious and how interesting it is that is definitely true that many if not most of the things are not achieved merely by willpower by exerting and by pushing against because that's like just focusing on the milestone while like on a rational way while dismissing the experiential process that allowed for the milestone to emerge because when we were babies we didn't have the goal of crawling like maybe you see you see the role model of all the adults around you walking <laughs> but I, I i doubt that like not many babies see their parents crawling <laughs> in the floor uh, very so, true so, so, so crawling, be, yeah, it's, yeah. It's part of the unfolding process of these um experience of being as a body and all of these brings brings me to the core question of pleasure because i believe that culturally in this moment in our society we 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 believe pleasure as being a milestone and something that is like transactionally achieved and we never arrive there because once you you go to make bank and get the babe and buy the boat and go on vacations in the Bahamas and when you are there you find that you are there in the retreat in the boat with the babe and the bikini and everything and then you either get bored because you don't have like your 20,000 tasks of your demanding work and most importantly 
you don't know what to do with yourself when you are like just there bare with nothing else but space and and you and why is that because that's the pure image of the milestone without the process that sustains the arrival to that milestone and i believe that pleasure has lots to do with with experiential development so what what's what's your take on this oh well um let me just first say like the the way you describe this kind of like a very idealized image of vacation that actually just doesn't do it for the person that was like really um compelling because i think you describe among other things how the person feels and you're right to say like if we just look at the picture of ideal vacation you could feel actually blissed out and happy and on top of the world because you're one with nature or you could be in your head and not really enjoying it and not having a way to stop it we would have to think that this is the best you can do you can't really force yourself to enjoy something and i guess that's ultimately the point you can't force pleasure you could try to put your state that will help you be more open to experiencing it and that could be attempted in many different ways and if you really know what vacation spot brings you in that wonderful state go there it, it will help but if you try to think your way through like where do i go that will make me happy and most joyous which place which place you can't really think it it has to be a felt experience somehow the image comes to you you imagine yourself doing something and even that image might bring you joy and you could and that's very different more intuitive process it doesn't necessarily have strong logic to it you can't say you were born there you did this work you're going to be happy in this vacation spot not not so clear it's more about what opens you up to be more present and at ease at the same time because if you're just present you might not be enjoying what's around you it might not be the environment where you're the happiest and that's usually why people want vacation they want the environment where they somehow happier than in their everyday life and maybe because your work emails and phone calls can't when that's already a relief and maybe it's something around you just so immersive that you can't help but be present in not because you're forcing yourself but because it just is so much to take in that you naturally appreciate and not everyone of course likes the same type of environment like and i think nature it has a natural potential uh to bring that joy and help you feel that state of being present and not really wanting something else from the experience just appreciating what's coming away the views the sounds um feeling air on your skin that's just the right temperature for you whatever that might be and enjoying um the sounds 
of the trees or ocean or whatever does that trick for you, so to speak. But it's not really a trick. It's, it's something that naturally happens. But unless you can go on like never-ending vacation, you'll have to take yourself out of that environment and come back to your everyday life. And then the question is, how much of that uh, will stay with you? How, how you are you going to be relaxed and easy, easier in everyday life? Less stressed, even the normal stress of work, commute and whatnot will uh, bounce off of you a little bit better. And sometimes it is true and people feel truly refreshed and they just so radiant after vacation that they, they can handle more and do more and they are more productive and happier. And other times it's not like that. And and that's what, what brings to me the question, what could be another way to support them in being more resilient and happier, which is not, not opposite to me or not a different kind of thing. The resilience that comes from you being more grounded in yourself is also the, the type of resilience that will make you happier because you don't need to tense yourself up and brace yourself against um, things that uh, could trigger you. You'll just naturally be able to let things pass through you. And if vacation doesn't do it for you, what could? And this is where I see, uh, I mean, Feldenkrais is, of course, my answer to that, one of the answers. And it, in some ways, it can be compared to a vacation from being in that mode of thinking, trying to do, trying to achieve, to just a place of being with yourself without asking yourself to, to change or to even notice, to analyze, judge. Um, there is not a demand to be anything other than yourself. And some of the, like the cognitive, analytical, reactive stuff just not so needed when you are with yourself in movement, tuning into how, how your movement feels to you. What are the sensations that naturally allows everything else to fall into background without forcing it, without um, telling yourself to not think about it, without trying to make yourself more relaxed than you are. That um, that type of mode is on some level is very simple. On other, it's very unusual for this society this the way we grow up the way we do things and i guess i'm referring to like the life in america especially like urban lifestyle is busy and it's a lot of demands from the outside a lot of demands we put out on ourselves some of them are necessary some of them we don't even know if they're necessary or helpful but we can't help but think well i need to do this and that because 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 but I realize this all may be a little abstract 
um, and maybe we could just do a little uh, five minute movement experiment to get a feel for it. Yeah, sounds what great. What do you think? It's fantastic because like you said earlier, like if you want something using willpower, it's not the way to go. You have to tap into your unconscious, which is could be like somehow scary, but it's actually the natural way. It's how we learn to to be sitting here, standing, walking, crawling, etc. through the unfolding of the exploratory experience, which sustains what you say about having this state of presence and ease a foundation for pleasure. And it's, it's not enough being present, but being at ease, which is something that you can get a sense of when you drop the striving to change, the willingness to be something different, especially when we are marketed nonstop on race stepping up to be the best version of yourself. Like you have to put that <laughs> aside and drop into who and what you are now. And then you you will be truly, truly present and at ease to experience mm -hmm. pleasure. So yeah, let's let's bring all these wonderful um concepts into the experience itself. Mm -hmm. Well, and just to clarify, there is no, uh, because language can be confusing, but there is no requirement for you to actually drop anything or stop doing anything that you do. The only invitation is to move in this particular way, which is smaller and slower, and just allow yourself to be in that way will naturally shift your state to the degree that is possible. And the letting go will happen as the natural outcome of that process. Okay, okay. But so you don't have to do the letting go because it's an opposite of the doing. The letting go is the stopping of doing something, but also you can't make yourself stop doing what is naturally happening. So all you can make yourself or gently invite yourself to do is do something in a very particular way, but still as you, not as somebody else, not as this ideal human being, not trying to imitate anybody, but really just allowing yourself to tune in into how you're being yourself, but through movement, which is um, a natural draw for attention, I believe. So let's let's try it and and see what happens. So if you are if you're interested in following along, then you could sit in a chair and lean on the back of the chair or sit towards the edge if that's comfortable. You could also lie on your back on the floor, something soft so it doesn't annoy you, the, the hard surface. And you could do a similar movement in lying down if you prefer. So take a moment to close your eyes. 
and follow a couple of inhales and exhales. And sense how you make contact with the floor if you lie down or with the chair and the floor if you're sitting, what parts of you press more into the chair or the floor, what parts of you press less. And then cross your arms so you kind of hug yourself, holding the right shoulder with the left hand, left shoulder with the right hand, and let your arms be relaxed, so not a very tight hug, but just what's comfortable. And very gently in the range that is tiny to begin with, start turning yourself to the right. Turn yourself to the right just the tiniest bit and then allow yourself to come back and just make one simple, easy attempt to turn, no incremental efforts. So you just want really what you want to know is how this movement begins. And it does help if you're sitting and you're watching the video, don't look at the video when you're doing the movement. So you can really tune it into how it feels in your body. When do you feel that something shifts? How soon do you feel the response? And see that even this small movement doesn't tense you up, your face doesn't turn into frown, you don't feel your facial muscles tightening up, your breathing continues. And then notice what is the movement of your head? Is your head staying still, turning with the body to the right, doing something else? Not trying to change what you're doing, just noticing. And be sure to pause between each movement enough so that you start the next movement from stillness. So it's not a repetitive process, but each movement can be sensed, felt from the beginning. And then try for a few moments, turning your head to the left as you turn your body to the right, but be extra gentle. So you're turning your head in the opposite direction, but it doesn't mean you have to go any distance at all. Whether there is any discomfort or you just don't want to continue beyond some point or you feel you start holding your breath, any of those, is an invitation to stop and be more gentle. And this staying in that small range allows you to feel more naturally. But don't worry, you're not on the hook to notice everything that happens. Just noticing what it feels like to you. Even if you think, I don't know how to notice, what should I be paying attention to? you're still the only person who can feel this movement for yourself. And then take a little break. You can lower your arms and lean back in the chair if you want. Follow a couple of inhales and exhales. 
Notice again how you make contact with the floor, with the chair. And when you're ready to continue, cross your arms again and start turning to the left and give yourself time to turn in a range that allows you to feel, sense, really discover how this movement feels to you today, even if you've done the similar movement to the right. This one might feel different. In staying in the range where you're not forcing anything, there is no overcoming any kind of resistance from the muscles in your neck or anywhere else through your body. And the range really, perhaps the most hard thing for people to believe how small over movement is enough to feel. And as an experiment, if you like, turn just one degree to the left. Maybe your torso turns so minimally, it hardly moves in space. You will still feel something. And that information that you sense and feel will be taken in by your nervous system, even if it doesn't make any sense to you. So that's where you you off hook. You not you don't need to analyze what's happening. Try to judge it if it's good or bad, and try to fix it. All that is unnecessary. And after a while, it kind of drops away, and you can just be more with yourself in movement. A few times, turn your head gently to the right as you're turning left. And see that again, adding a new element doesn't interfere with your breathing, doesn't tense you up in any way. And if it does, just make the movement smaller. This way you can still move as yourself, but get more, get to feel more about the movement and less about the discomfort or annoyance or resistance. So you're not trying to move like somebody else. You only change in how far you go with the movement, which is crucial. And take another break, uncross your arms and Rest for a few moments, feel again how you make contact with the chair and the floor. Follow an inhale and an exhale. And slowly, gradually, give yourself time to open your eyes and take a moment to get used to, the, to seeing the world around you again. Well, that's a little sample of how you can tune in into this sensing and feeling mode. Um, how was that for you?
It was fantastic. Yeah, like so fantastic. I I am speechless. I'm I'm just feeling like tingly hands, and I am feeling that I have a very long spine, and my auric. I am just having all all kind of non-discursive sensations. And while I was going through the movement experience, I I realized something that what you say previously about you you don't even need to to drop uh your habitual doings like just just do this like just go into sensing tiny natural movement in you so in a way i get a sense of spaciousness and like um, a state of no resistance where I am not even doing on the side nor deciding on my habitual ways or or my my aspects of my personality it's like that's okay like it's okay like you don't even need to to decide to stop doing what you usually do like just uh Come into the experience of the now as a body, like sensitively. And yeah, naturally what emerged was like a very, like I was already, I I, I could continue like <laughs> doing mini movements for another 30 minutes because it's very pleasurable. And indeed, it's not something forceful, but uh, the experience of pleasure emerged from this context of presence, ease, awareness, but not like a regular, like striving awareness, but just like a like a curious like like a state of curiosity like okay how is it to move in such a small range and wow it's so crazy to move the torso to one direction and the head to the other direction and i mean it's something extremely simple and it's like wow there's so much already going on in the experience of being and it's something worthwhile looking at it because it's it's how it's felt to be alive. Thank you, Igor. Oh, you're very welcome. And thanks for sharing about your experience. I know going into verbal mode right after experiential um, process is not so easy and um you did well to kind of tune into the feeling and translating in what it what it is for you and what it means and and that's um i think uh quite a special thing to do to have a conversation or or to say something that is informed by that feeling is a very different 
than to have a conversation that's more uh, analytical, especially if we're talking about the experiences. It's um, nice to have that conversation be grounded in the actual experiences we are talking about. And, and I think you uh, nail it with like saying that there was nothing you had to do and then the curiosity arose and it was not promised to you ahead of time. So you didn't know you have to become curious. Because a lot of times like many experiences kind of tell you step by step what we're doing, what we uh, are trying to achieve and you kind of know what you're supposed to feel. And that uh, makes it less likely for curiosity to be possible. If I know what's next, it's more, I could be curious if I succeed or fail at the next step, or I'm maybe very focused on making the next step where I could feel disappointed if I didn't get there at the next step. Now here I was supposed to be curious and here I was supposed to be relaxed, but I kind of failed. Am I doing something wrong? And here, this process that you went through, you can revisit literally the same process again, like just take the recording and play it to yourself and follow, or do it from your memory in a similar way. And the discovery will be slightly different because you're in a, in a little bit different state and it's new you already after this process, something been learned and taken in. That's why you, you you said your posture feels a little, the spine feels longer, you, and that's a shift. And that's a shift you also didn't ask for. I didn't tell you like this, we're doing this couple of like minutes of turning so your spine can feel longer. This is the goal. Why I don't have to say that because at that level, the unconscious part of your nervous system wants your spine to be as free as it can possibly be. And that's, for both for survival and functioning, you'll be quicker to get somewhere or get out of the way. And so that you can be more aware and more, more present with what you're doing. Because if you have any unnecessary tension, it takes away at unconscious level, even if you're not aware of it, still takes part of that tension away. And once that tension is gone, if it was attention that you were aware of, it, it feels nice and it feels like a gift because you didn't do anything to get rid of it. And it just went away. So you could kind of come up with the explanation that works for you. And it's really the way it's, um, I'm explaining based on what I know from Feldenkrais training is that the nervous system the brain rewires itself through the experience and based on the experience it somehow made sense to the nervous system that this tension is not necessary or it actually gets in the way of your movement but not just this movement you weren't trying to get better at turning that's why it didn't matter how far you turned this turning movement was used as a way to tune in into how you feel overall as a whole person that's why you could have so many things shift and which of those you will notice is it the curiosity and how it felt really nice to be curious about movement or the longer spine and or 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 there's all of this is yours whether you notice some of it or all of it or none of it you could have just gotten up and went about your day 
and it would still be yours. But taking time to appreciate it is nice, but because it works at this unconscious level, it doesn't have to be. And some of the gifts like you didn't ask for in advance. So when the tension went away and you didn't even know you had that tension or you didn't know you didn't have as much ease as you have now, you couldn't. And, and yet it shifted. This feels quite special. And to me, this really points to the fact that we trend towards better at this level pretty reliably, pretty consistently. It's just a matter of us kind of not forgetting about it. That's where the elusive obvious comes in because how much have you done? Is it not much to brag about? Like how far did you turn? How many times you turn? If you sum it up, it's not so exciting. But if you translate it, I tuned in into myself in a way that brought out these beautiful changes. That's quite an achievement. If you're thinking about five, seven minutes, you shifted these things that are not just local things, not like one part of you is a little more relaxed, everything else is a thing. It's a global change throughout you, including change in the emotional, psychological state, which also comes as a that gift you don't have to ask for it 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 is something that emerges to to some degree in any feldenkrais lesson whether it's a group class where you guide it through words or a private session where you guide it through touch with the same non non-impositional intention respect to your nervous system if i respect that you know yourself that i'm i'm not tempted to impose I really don't know better what I don't know what your next step is, where you should be. What I know is how to help you tune in and where you are through words or through touch. And then there is that curiosity in me as well about what will emerge and when. Even though I witness this type of shift in people many times, it still comes as a, a surprise when it happens and how a person relates to it is still very personal and that's one of the things that really keeps me going that sharing that joy of discovery that i help facilitate but i didn't make it for you so and, and it's in some ways i can't claim the full credit which means well uh, is it my job is not as cool if i'm not claiming the full credit but also what is really free and is that I'm not in charge of making that change. I'm not trying to fix you. I don't need to worry is about the fix that I try to make in you is not going to last. All that is really not, not my concern, which it would be if I was in charge. If I'm going to fix somebody, I have to fix them well, make sure that lasts and and this is often like that's such a free and shift from I have to be in charge, I'm responsible to I'm responsible for facilitating the experience. And the person that, and you also were not in charge. You weren't trying to fix yourself. So you're off the hook. In, in that way, it's like a vacation. Yes. Except you're taking a vacation by well, if we completed the matter of like walking through your own neighborhood but so slowly you can appreciate it 
as if you're there for the first time. You notice littlest things because you're not in a hurry to get anywhere. You're really taking time to walk through and stop in in random places for whatever reasons you wish. You're not really trying to make your 10,000 steps or get to where you work or get back home. You really can be present and nothing uh, is designed. There are no elements that take your attention away from just being with yourself. Yes. You know, I have a huge realization. Like, finally, I understood what it means to have no expectations. And it's not like a cynicist, a cynic or a nihilistic uh, approach. It is rather uh, an open, inviting, and in a, in a paradoxical way, it's also a bold state to, to trust the, the experience and go on the journey. And like what you say, like tuning into oneself in this way allow for allowed for the fantastic results to emerge like the nervous system did its work and it's not just random there there's a clear premise of respecting the nervous system and respecting the process of the other that is not impositive at all but is like tending and supportive so it's not like there is no structure but it is a clear absence of the aggressive approach of being in charge going from milestone and milestone and striving and striving which would in turn cancel curiosity and impose the the judgment N not not a a value judgment if it's like more worthy or worthless but just like the clear judgment of of succeeding on or failing on on arriving to to the to the milestone so mm -hmm. this other natural approach <laughs> is proven to be not only way more effective because it's about tending to the natural ways of the nervous system organization and and to our own developmental means so it's it's not only extremely effective that now i am sitting super tall effortless but it's also pleasurable and, and this is revolutionary. Thank you so much, Igor. This has been yeah. a wonderful talk and, and experience. So tell us, how can we learn from you? How can we know more about your work? Well, uh, you can check out my website if you're interested in reading more about it. But it's really, it is about experiencing it. So you could join uh, a group zoom class which would be similar experience 
um, but it's a longer class. It's about 45 minutes and you would lie down and be comfortable and um, kind of immerse yourself in this process and see what you can get. And, and it doesn't mean you, it's not letting go fully of the goal. You might have a very specific goal to deal with some aches and pains and limitations in movement or a goal to feel more balanced and grounded and all that you're not giving that up you're just not fighting to get there not pushing not trying to get there through willful effort or by force or by pretending to be there you work towards it in a different way which feels a little more indirect but i believe that, that it's more effective but you would want to make that call for yourself and experiencing it on zoom is the easiest way and right now i'm offering also free introductory workshops that are a little shorter and if you're based in new york you could schedule a private session and that that is a way to step away from words and language much more I mean, of course, we'll discuss what you're interested in in a session, but then the process itself can be non-verbal. And it depends on each client's preference. If they want to talk about the process and discuss, like we did today, like what it means and what, um, what you can learn from this process at a more conscious level, how can you become more appreciative of your own nature of your own natural abilities, or you could just experience it and quietly leave and not even say a word if you're feeling like more in the sensing and feeling mode. I didn't, I do have people either on Zoom or in private sessions sometimes just waving by. And later I get an email, it's like, yeah, I just didn't want to talk at all and was in that state. So you could ask for different things in that and in it's more about how you're going to get there and do you appreciate the process do you feel it's more effective than other things you've done all those different motivations are in play and this of course make like make sense for adults you could be could choose what we want and why and i also work with children um and babies who are nonverbal so in those cases you it's more serious things like developmental delays or torticollis or things like that um that this work could also help so it could be a very serious fu uh, functional developmental problem or sensory issues that can be also addressed by the same non-forceful approach and the person who is struggling whether it's a child or an adult it's even more important not to impose because they already run into their own difficulty enough and imposing will only strengthen the difficulty. And this is quite um, um, a puzzle, I guess, in a way, or a contradiction. You, you continue having the intention to be better, to achieve whatever you want to achieve, and yet you give up the idea of forcing your way there because well maybe you already tried and it didn't work and or because you don't believe that this is the approach that you want to undertake so it's really those two reasons so if you want to try to 
be with yourself in the way that doesn't force but helps bring out something new and something you can appreciate in yourself that those are the two ways the group class on zoom or in-person session in person and how can we book your classes how can we Sorry, how can we schedule oh, a session so you were um, well, I could send you a link for the group class if you could share that. It's You can do that on my website. There, there is a link to book uh, a, a group class, or you can contact me to schedule an individual session. Wonderful. And what's your website? The website is movingisbeing.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Igor. So movement, movement is being dot com. Moving, 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 moving is, being. is being very wise URL. So sensualist, go to moving is being dot com and schedule your session with Igor. You will be delighted in the same way that we have been in this little taste of Feldenkrais method. And remember to sense your fire so you can share the flame. If you haven't subscribed already to the Sensual Sessions podcast, please visit www.centrodepoder.com and get yourself signed up to get these episodes delivered on your inbox every week. Catch you next time.